Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Jeremy Smith. Such is tradition that on Easter Sunday he should arise, and cometh the hour, cometh the new king of Paris, as PSG celebrated their title victory with an Mbappe hat-trick. But who else is rising from the dead, and who is still unable to run because they're full of chocolate? All of that and more after your latest headlines. Dijon added to what has been an ideal April for them with a 3-2 victory over Red on Friday night. Three separate goal scorers mean they close the gap on those currently in safety to just four points, while the Brittany club are putting all their eggs in the Coupe de France final basket next weekend. Lyon halted their recent slide with a relatively comfortable 2-1 win over Angers with Martin Thierrier scoring for the fourth match in a row. On Saturday, Marseille are continuing their push for European football as they beat strugglers Gangump 3-1. Just like governing side remain at bottom and are now four points adrift from the relegation playoff place currently occupied by Dijon. In the multiplex, Con kept pace with Dijon as they ran out surprise 1-0 winners at Nice, while Montpellier kept their hopes on Europe alive with a 3-1 win at Strasbourg. Nîmes have won three of their last four games as they beat Bordeaux 2-1, while on Sunday, Nantes have now won three in a row as they their 3-2 victory leaves Amiens looking nervously over their shoulders. Lille allowed PSG to avoid choking again as they only managed a goalless draw at Toulouse, sealing their title, which also could leave the door slightly ajar for Lyon next week, while Saint-Étienne kept the heat on their rivals for that Champions League place as they dispatched Raz 2-0. In the final match of the weekend, Kylian Mbappe hit a hat-trick against former club Monaco in PSG's title celebration. The 3-1 victory mattered less to the champions than it did to the Principality side, who are not quite certain on league and safety just yet. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week, where else but Paris Saint-Germain confirming their eighth league uh, title before kicking off against Monaco because of Lille's draw with Toulouse. We've been kind of been holding off for this topic because of the recent loss of uh, not just um, the last Monday show, but also probably for the last preview show as well, Jez. But it, they're finally over the line and they got, it, you half see the pressure sort of come off them when they played the game against Monaco, albeit them being a, a sort of favoured opponent for them. But uh, taking away sort of those last couple of weeks as well, where they've sort of really took their foot off the gas, it has been another strong campaign from Paris Saint-Germain where in a lot of the games in the first half of the season, especially they showed just how good they can be. Yeah, I think um, I got um, a tweet from, from someone who's a sort of occasional follower of Ligue 1 at some point this week. And, and he said, surely Tuchel must go now after having such a bad season. And, um, I, I, I sort of I strongly disagree with that. I know that they, they came up short again in the Champions League and, and obviously a little bit short in the Coupe de la Ligue, which I think is very much the, the sort of fourth priority for them um, when, when they start the season. But overall, um, although it's the last three weeks or so have slowed it down a little bit, I think it's been an excellent season um, as a sort of first season for, for Tuchel. I think at times they've played some fantastic stuff. I think he's 
it's an ongoing debate, but he's blooded a, a few youngsters. He's shown tax, tactical flexibility. He's done for a lot of the season the kind of thing that we're sort of always torn with about PSG. Kind of on one side, we want it to be more of a competition. And then on the other side, we sort of um, uh, get annoyed where they don't really sort of show everything that they can do, considering the, the riches they've got on offer. For a lot of this season, I think they really have blown blown other teams away, and um, that that is really what they should be doing week in week out. What sometimes you criticise them for not doing. Overall, I, I think it's been probably their, their strongest season in terms of the football they play, um, and um, I guess on the on the European stage, it kind of bodes well if they can sort of build on what they've done this year and certainly learn the lessons from what's gone wrong this year. Yeah, because I think if we set our minds back, we, we kind of, uh, because of what's happened just in the Champions League and, and the last couple of weeks in Liga, as well as the when you just expect them to get over the line, but they couldn't quite finish off the deed, which sort of has, has tainted it slightly at least. But we forget that... Paris Saint-Germain have been first since week two. They were second in week one. So it's, it's, they've been on top of Liga throughout. And then when you take into account that, yes, they lost to Liverpool in the group stages of the Champions League, but that was their only loss in the 2018 side of this year. And they've only had those, well, they've only had five losses in 2019 so far, two in Liga, well, three in Liga when they took till early February for someone to actually beat them in the league and um, it's only the losses to to Gangomp in the Cup and against Manchester United in the Champions League and the two that have recently proceeded and have really been faults on their resume and they've been excellent in some games really I mean it, it was maybe a little bit of a knock in some stages and, and I'm sure we'll come on to, to Neymar that he was really in great form before he got injured and that has affected them in somewhat they've had a number of injuries recently we've mentioned the list on Thursday of the amount of players they've had out or missing recently where uh, yes Tuchel's having a little bit of a statement by not having a full complement on the bench but at the same time um, they are underhanded from what they would be at a full strength side but at the same time they've had some tremendous results I mean we forget back in October they absolutely hammered Leon 5-0 they were terrific on that one they got a great 2-0 win away at the velodrome against Marseille in that same month that was an excellent result they were um, they had some good results in Europe before that Manchester obviously the away leg against Manchester United they were really great maybe could have got a couple more to to really hammer home that that advantage they'd gained they got that great result against Paris Saint-Germain at home which were desperately needed even though the games against Napoli weren't particularly good so there's a lot of platforms for them to pull off really and it's it's more just a case of in the summer getting some players to, to complement the, the the excellence they have because I suppose we forget just that they've missed a fair amount of time of Cavani recently, a fair amount of 2019 without Neymar. Verratti's been in and out through injuries, been more recently a, a lot fitter, but there's been no Marquinhos recently, who's been excellent throughout. There's been no Angel Di Maria, who's had a tremendous season again, possibly even his best one in a, in a PSG, PSG shirt, I would argue. it's uh, There's definitely bones of a, of a side here that adding two, three good players that we know that they have the means of doing at least. And they could really be pushing for Champions League, uh, not just through to the, sort of the semi-finals at least, but they should be even potentially one of the favourites for the tournament should they get over um, the hangovers they've had recently. Yeah, they've proven this year, in 
it sounds a silly thing to say considering the, the way they went out and no offense but to an extent that the team that they went out to um that but i really think that in in some ways they have made champions league progress this year they 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 were in a very tough group they started very badly with that that defeat to, to liverpool but they really kicked on from there finished top of that group outplayed liverpool in the end um belgrade when the chips were down um and in that first match against Man United, looked excellent as well. Um, so there are, and as I said, I think with the tactical tactical flexibility that that Tuchel's brought in, um, there are positive signs. And I don't, I, I still maintain that on their day they can beat anyone. It's just that the, the the sort of recurring problem, which seems to be more kind of in in players' heads than in their feet, and. Um, I still think some issues that have never gone away about squad depth and certainly depth in certain positions within the squad. Um, but if Tuchel can sort those things out, and it's very clear that he's aware of those issues, then I, I don't see why they can't um, make a push for push to, to go further in Champions League next season. Um, they really should have done this year, as, as, as we've gone over several times before. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, more than any time you could say that team that they went out to in the Champions League after this weekend, especially. But I want to highlight a couple of players that I've really enjoyed because, I mean, we'll come on to, to the main man, quote unquote, really, because Mbappe has been terrific and a number of the players we've already mentioned have been great. But uh, number one, I want to mention Alphonse Arioli. I think you'll agree, Jez, we've mentioned him a few times that he's been excellent this season. It's probably the best I've seen him at Paris Saint-Germain, probably even the best season I've seen him have since his, his lone move at Villarreal, in fact, when he was excellent in La Liga, we were saying that he really should stay in Paris, and thankfully he did. And admittedly, even though Trapp obviously went on loan to Frankfurt and he's had a, a, a really good season in the Bundesliga, it was nice to see him rebound. But you could expect any young goalkeeper to fold when when not just the quality, but the, the, the experience and the, the real heavyweight that is in the dressing room as well, Buffon must be, because he's been a terrific goalkeeper for, for decades, really, if we're in all honesty. And a lesser goalkeeper would have crumbled in it. And, and if anything, Ariola raised to the challenge. He was, he's been excellent in some games. The mistakes have been um, much fewer than in past years, and and he earned that number one spot. Really, it's it's sometimes a shame that he was, for example, in the game against Manchester United, not playing, and obviously the Italian has made the mistakes that have that have caused the goals. But he has to be looked at as the the number one next season, and for for once, a position that we'd said that PSG needed to spend money on, and, and for once, it's not a position they need to worry about as much anymore because he seems to have established himself as a number one and potentially a, a challenger for that French national jersey as well. And, and the second one I want to mention as well is Marquinhos, uh, who's had a superb season, not just in defence, but in midfield at times. He's been a, a great defensive midfielder, non better performance than that away leg at Manchester United. He's He's been all, easily their best defender. And it's just been a shame that because he's so good, he's probably been the only one who could move into the midfield that has cost them some time. So that's why a defensive midfielder is so important for, for PSG. It's not just because they're desperate for, for someone that's a, a more of a specialist in that role and, and can excel and, and help protect their defence, but it's also so Marquinhos can prove himself in the, the best role. And he's it's incredible to think that he's still so young. He's got so many years ahead of him at, at PSG. He's going to be a, a great leader for them next season. But I'll let you talk about the, the main man, 
Jez, because there is there's been a, a few tussles, shall we say, on, on Twitter that people disagree in that um it will with what even Jean Pierre Papin's been saying now, and I don't think I would want to argue with him because he's the last man Frenchman at least anyway to score thirty goals in Ligue 1 and Kylian Mbappe follows him at just the tender age of twenty. Um he's had a sensational season and this is his team, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, just to, to, to mention or to sort of add to, to what you said about Ariola and Marquinhos. I mean, to me, in, in many ways, they sort of epitomise the two issues that I think are the sort of, apart from the mental weakness and Thiago Silva and all that that we've spoken about before, I think Ariola and Marquinhos, in a way, sort of epitomise the two recurring problems that until they're sorted out and for me as i've said several times before it goes to the top and it goes to al Khalifi, and he's the first person i would ship out of psg they're the problems that need to be sorted um before psg are able to progress Ariola, i think has been is again i love buffon i've loved him since i i happened to watch his debut on tv when he was 17. i've loved him ever since i mean he's fantastic i'm sure he's doing a lot for Ariola in the background as well helping helping him learn about the sort of rigors of, of uh first team um top quality football but for me Ariola is undoubtedly a better keeper right now than buffon is and okay mistakes happen to, to all players but the fact that buffon was picked ahead of Ariola in those cha- in that Champions League match and the fact that he made the huge mistake which ultimately was the one that sort of helped helped PSG lose their nerve in that Man United match says it all and to me um, you know you reap what you sow I think that was a mistake that was coming and um, as long as Alcalefi or whoever it is that's sort of picking the team um, is kind of enthralled to the big names rather than picking the players who deserve to be there that's going to be a recurring problem then uh, and Marquinhos basically as you said the fact that he had to play in midfield and in that first leg he was absolutely fantastic in midfield it, it I at the time said it weakens the midfield he proved me wrong on that but it does weaken the defense because you're taking your best center back out of his strongest position and you know Tuchel was very clearly stated subtly unsubtly um, however you want, that he needs more more uh, depth in midfield. And I think that that's something that, that will be sorted out in the summer. To be honest, if it, if it, if it isn't sorted, I can see Tuchel walking. And then Marquinhos can sort of comfortably slot black into his, his centre-back role and, and um, all the better for the team. But yeah, there's been a bit of debate on Twitter the last few days and um, I got a bit of abuse for saying it. Rich got a bit of abuse for saying it. Andy Scott got a lot of abuse for saying it. We all basically said, and uh, you know, last it wasn't a huge step after last night in his, his excellent hat trick, that Mbappe is the main man at PSG right now. And I think, I mean, first of all, just to be absolutely clear, I'm not saying that Neymar is not a good player. I'm not saying that he doesn't add a lot to PSG. I'm not even saying he doesn't necessarily make Mbappe a better player. But to me, there's absolutely no doubt that if you had to pick one player to stay at the club right now, it has to be Mbappe. Um, He scored, as you said, he scored 30 goals this season. There's a stat um, that I saw this morning. He hasn't even been a professional for, for... for three full seasons yet. And you look at what he's won already. Um, World Cup, Euro, uh, under 19 Euros, 
three league titles in his three years as a pro in two, uh, two different clubs. Um, a couple of Coupe de France, probably another one to follow, a couple of Coupe de la Ligue, um, fantastic goal-scoring record for club and country. Uh, and he's only 20. He's only, you know, fitness permitting, he's only going to get better. He's been there all the way through the season, scoring, you know, from more or less day one. There was that, that early moment, early in um, that match against Nîmes quite early on where he got sent off, he looked a bit, you know, it looked like maybe there was going to be a bit of petulance creeping in, um, but he's, he's toned that down. Okay, there's still a couple of sort of nascent diving issues, but generally he's been there. He's been their talisman, whether he's asked to play on the right or the centre. There were some people unbelievably were questioning whether he could play down the centre. He's absolutely proved them wrong. And he's been there the whole time, scoring goals consistently. Um, he's absolute box office. Neymar obviously is to an extent as well but it seems crazy to say because Neymar's still in his 20s but in a sense Mbappe is making him look old hat um, and also Neymar just for all the good that he does I, and there are stats to show that his result that PSG's results are better with Neymar and the team we can let's address that I mean stats are stats um, that, that, that's the thing that a lot of these fanboys that we're all getting abuse from um, fall back on. Remember also that in the two seasons that Neymar's been there and he's got injured the second half of the season, that's also been when they've taken their foot off the gas because they've lost them, they've lost their motivation of Champions League and they've pretty much won the title anyway. So uh, to an extent, it's ridiculous to compare the stats. You know, people look back, people talk about the Real Madrid matches last year. Oh, they lost because Neymar wasn't in them. He was in the first one. They still lost. This year, Man United, well, they outplayed Man United in the first match. You can't say that Neymar was going to change anything in the second match. Um, to me, Mbappe is the future. He's the person the team can be built around. He's you know, straight after the match yesterday, he said, I'm not going anywhere, I'm staying. Neymar, there's been rumours linking him with Real Madrid the whole time he's been at PSG. And as far as I know, he's never outright said, I'm extremely happy, I'm absolutely not going anywhere. He always gives very equivocal answers, which suggests that he's, you know, he would be open to offers. He's indulged more than anyone else, which to me suggests that to me, it can't be good for, and it apparently isn't for changing room atmosphere. He's part of this big Brazilian clique, which undermines a lot of the others, um, most, most, most especially Cavani. Um, the, if we're going to look at stats, look at Di Maria's stats when Neymar's not there compared to when he is. Neymar might bring a lot to the team, but possibly the way he plays takes from other players. Di Maria is a completely different player and a fantastic one and was man of the match, by the way, in that first Man United leg um, without Neymar there. So it's, it's, it's easy to fall back on stats, but there's a lot more to it than that. And, you know, El Khalifi clearly is obsessed with the commercial side. And of course, Neymar, when he came in, it was a massive commercial coup. And I'm sure they sold you know, hundreds of thousands of shirts with Neymar on the back. But Mbappe wasn't the Mbappe that he is now then. Mbappe take away Ronaldo and Messi, and they're obviously both, both in their 30s now. Mbappe absolutely is the global star, and they have to build football-wise, commercial-wise, everything. He is the main man, and there's a lot of these these Neymar fanboys. A lot of them seem to be very nouveau PSG fans who 
you know, probably never heard of, I don't know, Rye or Safet Susit or any of these ex ex PSG um, megastars. It's only sort of in the last three, four years that they've been interested. That they need to do a little bit more research, a bit more history. They need to look at a bit more of Liga in total, not just PSG's matches. A lot of them fall back on the fact that oh, well, you know, Neymar's been injured at the end of the year, so we can't really, it's not fair to compare them. And um, again, as I said earlier, Champions League, Neymar, it would have been so different if Neymar hadn't been injured. I'm sorry, but top-level football, that's that's an issue as much as anything else. And Bappe, he, he was rested against Nantes, but effectively he's played non-stop the whole season, with, having played a longer summer, remember, than Neymar as well. And he's barely let his levels drop the whole time. It's it's unfortunate that Neymar has got injured, but the fact is they invested 222 million euros on someone to win them in Champions League, and he hasn't been there when it's come to the sort of money time of the Champions League. It's not necessarily his fault, but to me that means that that transfer was a failure because he hasn't been able to do exactly what they signed him to do. Um, so um, again. Just to be very, very clear, Neymar is an absolutely fantastic player. He'd be uh, a plus for any team. He is a plus for PSG. But to 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 say that he is still the main man there, I just think is is extremely ignorant. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to catch your mind back two summers ago and whether Al Halifi and PSG actually thought they would get both of them. It, it seems like it, it, when you sort of look back on it, they just lived with the fact that they got both of them for, for so easily i think they must have thought that even if they paid the the fee for for neymar that he maybe would turn them down or or go elsewhere or and then when they had got neymar maybe they felt that monaco wouldn't give them uh mbappe and maybe that um around madrid would come in for him but um it matters that they got both of them now and i have a bit of a first of a not a soft spot, I would say, but I feel a little bit sorry for for Neymar. But it, it because ultimately he is a top five player. He is world class. He's going to go down in in history books as as an excellent footballer. But he'll always feel a little bit like the bridesmaid and not the bride, unfortunately, because he's been part of a an excellent Barcelona team that was ruled by um, arguably the best player in the world that we've ever seen in Lionel Messi, and and he's now part of a Paris Saint Germain team that. It's arguably being run by someone we may see in a decade's time as as one of the best forwards we've ever seen in in Kylian Mbappe, who does sort of uh, Rio Ferdinand always mentions he reminds him of the Brazilian Ronaldo, and I can't think of a better comparison. Really, he does really have that similar style, especially now he's playing through the the centre. And yeah, I I think you're right, Jesse. I can't imagine a world where where any manager, if a team came in and gave you 200 million for Neymar and the opportunity to bring three, four players in potentially to to build out the squad a little bit more and and give some players different responsibilities, maybe even change the formation. I know Tuchel might like the three five two, and the imagination of of Cavani and Mbappe through the middle would would be really exciting, really for for Paris Saint-Germain, but we'll, we'll, I suppose we we might, may never even know if, if something like that happens, because is there another team that can even afford that? And is it more sort of building maybe with Neymar and and, uh, and Mbappe together, which is uh, another frightening thought at the same time. But uh, I suppose it's it's a good problem to have at the same time. But I've just quickly, at least on their opponents, because they there was a match going on on Sunday night, if you didn't realise, Mbappe got an excellent hat-trick against his former side. And Monaco have been a bit iffy over the last couple of weeks. They've only won one of their last 
seven games. They've lost against Cole a couple of weeks ago, just at the end of March. They drew against Gangon. They drew against Ras. Uh, they got a pretty lucky win against uh, Lille before drawing the games beforehand. They're not completely safe at the moment, Jez, especially with the Dijon game that will come on to. But uh, this reminds me a little bit of, of a similar situation we've seen in England with um, Manchester United, where they've had a bit of a bounce with the, the manager coming back in. He's got the positivity and the results started flowing, but maybe the pressure started to come off a little bit. Maybe the players' con- concentration has gone, and it's it's showing that there's, there's almost certainly now, and we kind of knew this anyway, but it's a, it's a reminder to Monaco fans and Ligue 1 fans that the issues there at the Principality Club run much deeper than just the managerial position. Uh, yeah, I just want to very quickly add some more things about Neymar. Sorry, but I should have said before that I think that his signing at the time, especially for that amount, served a big purpose. It was really a big statement for PSG to say, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, we're right up there with you, we're coming for you. And it clearly did spook them for better or worse. But again, it has to be backed up with the results on the pitch. And so it's almost not, it's backfired to an extent in the sense that it's really turned a lot of Europe against them but um, it's also made them look a little bit silly in that they said we're coming for you but but haven't come close to, to the Champions League since and the other thing is I think Neymar's probably peaked and Bappe is only going to get better and just think of the number of players especially central midfielders for example the PSG could have bought with that 220 million and um, Tuchel's been making so much fuss recently and making the point of only naming five substitutes to say that he's got such a thin squad. He's got a thin squad because they've hamstrung themselves um, by spending 220 and restricting themselves FFP-wise. Um, and if, if I don't think they would weaken themselves that much by selling Neymar because I think they could balance it out with the players they could bring in. If they were to sell Mbappe, I think it would... It would weaken the team and it would send out a negative message. I don't think selling Neymar would necessarily. Um, okay, rant over. <laughs> um, Monaco, I I just don't know where the team's at. I think just it's just a write-off of a season for them. And um, there was obviously that that period when Jardim came back and a few of the injured players and the more senior players came back and, and they had that little run. Um, even then, they didn't sort of win many of them, but they made themselves harder to beat again. And yeah, they're slipping back closer to the relegation zone. But I just, I think it's, I can't see them falling right back into it. I think, um, I think they've done enough, and they're just going to have to rethink everything and rebuild in the summer. Um, but I'm still the only thing that concerns me is I'm still not convinced that Jardim coming back is the right thing to do. Obviously, they can get rid of um, players like Glick, who seem a little bit past it, Subasic, who I just think is frazzled after last season in the World Cup and fitness issues. Falcao, possibly, who I think has turned out to be a, a fantastic professional for them, but is also maybe looking a little bit sort of one season too many. And I do think they've got some good young players there to build from anyway, but the likes of Adi Yashive, who I really think has been a fine this season, for example. But um, I, he scored this weekend, but I think Golovin, for the most part, has been a complete flop. Um, 
for me, it still remains to be seen whether Martins isn't going to prove to be a flash in the pan. But Jardim, I just worry that you know they often say never go back, and I think possibly for him it's not such a bad situation because he's come in with so much power. But I wonder if he's in their desperation for him to come back and sort things out. Maybe they gave him a little bit too much power, and sort of worry for them that that's going to come back to bite them and maybe him as well over over the next few months when there will start to be kind of tensions between him and some of the people in the background. There's been a kind of big turnover of, of decision makers um, before players. And so this summer is going to be very interesting when these new people um, sort of behind the scenes are going to want to prove themselves and impose their authority and their preferences for the style of play and the style of player. And then Jardin will come in with, with his views. As long as they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, it will be fine. But if not, then you know, who, whose decision wins out? Who's gonna, um, who, who's really in charge there? And I, I think that could be a problem, um, irrespective of, of what happens this season. Um, I think they'll get lucky ultimately that there's at least three teams who are worse than them. But um, I just, I, you know, mistake, big mistakes were made in the summer. And I think it could be that with hindsight, possibly mistakes would have been made in January that we may or may not know about yet. And the fact that things settled down a little bit, but clearly are still aren't great there, I don't think it bodes that well for the future. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to possibly blow things up in the in in the summer to decide on on who's worth keeping and who's worth moving on really because they have sort of stagnated this season certainly and on to a team that's going to worry them a little bit at least and how have them looking over their shoulders and that's Dijon who pulled out another excellent result that we didn't quite see coming at least anyway in their three two win over Wren that pretty much puts an end to their European hopes unless they can get a win in that cup match coming um, next weekend that we'll have a look forward to on on Thursday but concentrating on this uh, relegation fight really because Dijon with that win it was an excellent victory for them they showed again this the spirit that they've shown in the last couple of weeks Jez that they they they're absolutely fighting and scrapping for their lives the win against Leon was totally out of the blue they got a a, a good draw against Amion despite the obvious, obvious uh, off-field troubles that, that happened in that game but an excellent result against Wren that sets them up for the game against Cole next week which would really put some breathing space between them and the, the bottom two should they get a result given how Gangon fared at the weekend which we'll come on to but uh, an unbelievable result for them where we thought they were dead and buried a few weeks ago and now they're only four points off Ami on themselves and they've got them and, and Monaco looking behind their shoulders. It's a, it's a real turn of events in the last couple of weeks for them. Yeah, we discussed that they, they sort of could have got lucky in, in, in the sense that they played Lyon at the perfect time when, when things were completely in disarray there. And they even got lucky during the match with, with a couple of, of own goals as well. Then Amiens, I don't think it was a great result. I think they, they could and should have done more. But then it was also a great time to play Ren. Clearly, you look at their recent results, similar to Strasbourg and the lead up to the Coupe de la Ligue final. Ren clearly have their minds on the Coupe de France final. And, um, I think maybe a winless in eight, something like that, or one win in eight. Um, so it was a good time to play then. But even so, it wasn't. I th- it wasn't just the result. It was the manner of, of the victory as well. The fact that 
they were pegged back twice, but still came back and came back and, and got that win. Um, a couple of the goals were, were, were really fantastic goals as well. Um, brilliant volley by, by Jano and then the last goal as well from Saeed to, to sort of show that composure late on to, to sort of faint and, and um, you know, take, take a defender out of the game and then, and then sort of, uh, slide it into the opposite corner to, for the win against his own club just to, just to rub it in a little bit. I think that's what bodes well for them. It's not just the win, but they showed some character, which they've been, I think, lacking for a lot of the season. And that, that two point cushion they've got now over, over the coin 19th, um, it, it means that they're, for that, for that match next week, they're really in the driving seat. Um, probably, they probably take a draw now, but, um, suddenly they're, they're, morale wise, they're, they're, they should be way ahead of the other two. Um, they're playing good football. As I said, the character they're showing, I think, is the real plus. And, um, it's, I think they have been sort of, uh, not to take any credit away from them, but I just think those last three games have fallen perfectly for them. Very, you know, really good timing wise, but it's up to them to take advantage of that and seven points from, from, from nine after the horrific run that they've been on beforehand. You have to, give credit to 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 Kondoare and to everyone at the club and yeah re- really good opportunity for them to to secure probably still the playoff spot but there's no reason now why they can't look, look to sort of climb a little bit higher yeah they've got to be making people nervous now that's the that's the important thing i think at this time of the se- this season because you know for example monaco like we've mentioned have, have played a lot of of games that you would see as the sort of easier affair. They've played Gangon, they've played Monaco recently. That's um, sort of put them on the back foot. They'll be pretty happy they've got a Ren game um, sort of next week after the, the cup final that uh, sort of A, give them a rest and B, give them either a heartbroken or, or jubilant Ren side that gives them a, a real chance. But Saint-Étienne and a really important game against Amiens with two games to left and then at home to Nice that could be you know, anything at the moment, as we'll come on to the, the result that they gave. And then you look at Amiens' games coming up as well. They've got Strasbourg, which is winnable at the moment, although they've had some great results themselves after the cup final. Montpellier, who will be still chasing Europe, Toulouse, that can be any club that turns up, really. And then Gangop in the final game of the season as well. Um, depending on where they are, that could be a, a tricky one as well. So there's... There's, there's daylight in there. I mean, especially with these next games coming up, I mean, the game against Colm at the, at the weekend is going to be absolutely massive for both clubs, but especially for Dijon, because if it gives them some breathing space between them and the relegation fight, not only that, it, it allows them to catch up a little bit. And then they've got Nolte, who are on, are on a great run, but, but certainly a, a game you can get points out of and a game against Strasbourg as well, against Paris Saint-Germain, who we've mentioned have got injuries and also have taken their, their foot off the gas anyway. And, and then their home game against Toulouse to finish the season. They, they've got a real chance of not just staying in, uh, clearing themselves from the, the relegation zone, but but even having a fighting chance at, at chasing them some of these sides. They'll be kicking themselves that they couldn't get the three points against uh, Amiel, and that would have really put the, the cat amongst the pigeons. But this result, they they were really excellent, I thought, against Renner. I mean, any side down there that goes ahead and, and gets 
cut back and then they put themselves ahead. It was a wonderful goal by Benjamin Jano for for the second and and by Niang scores that absolute crazy goal with a chest and the the sort of semi overhead kick as well to to make it level again and to keep fighting to keep finding a way and Wesley side to have absolutely wonderful composure to have that final goal as well. It was a a real excellent finish from the the former red man as well who, who declined to sort of celebrate when he did score and fair play with with me and trained at the club and everything but uh, a terrific result for Quambaro who's clearly getting a, a battling spirit out of them but they'll be a little bit annoyed at least Jez and they'll have every right to be that the pesky con can't seem to stay themselves down where they were in all honesty sort of back, it's very similar to the result against monaco really they they weren't particularly um, dangerous they weren't they didn't have a crazy amount of shots they only had seven shots in the game two on target and they get the one that goes in against gq they had a penalty against them that was saved they had a, a three on two chance as well that alan St. maximan decides to delay on and and ends up missing wildly and I mean, you could see the anger from Pierre Les Malou when, uh, during that chance. But uh, Nice really peppered them at times. I they had 18 shots and eight um, shots on target. They really should have got something out of the game. But Cole, yet again, as much as I like to say, um, I, I know it doesn't sound too flattering, but it should be because they are the cockroach of Ligue 1. They just will <laughs> not die, will they? No. <laughs> I mean, if they get out of this, I... I'm sort of only half jokingly saying that that Free Samba should be League and Player of the Year because <laughs> um, certainly these two recent wins against Monaco and against Nice, he's just been absolutely immense. And you know the pe- the penalty save, which uh, could easily have changed the complexion of the match, it would have been you know it would have it would have put Nice in the position of, of needing to hang on to their their tenth one 0 win of the of the season. So. You know, something they're clearly experts at doing. Had that gone in, I think Khan would have really struggled to get back into the match. And it wasn't one of those good height for the goalkeeper kind of saves. It was a fantastic penalty save. And then he backed it up with two or three more world-class saves. And um, yeah, again, I mean, I think they were slight, they showed slightly more than they did against Monaco. But again, Khan weren't that great. But if if you've got a keeper that it's you know he's, a, he's in a mood to, that it's impossible to beat him. Then you only need to score one, and you'll be fine. Um, and I, was, I struggle to to explain it because, as you said, that they're, they're not a they're not a good team. Um, they're in a little bit of disarray. Bovu has been sort of chucked out of the squad this week for for bad behaviour. They've got if you you watch the clips of any of their matches, the cameraman sort of one time he goes to the bench, he shows a close-up of Mercadal, the next time it's Kulbis, it's still not even clear who's in charge there. Um, they shouldn't be, I mean, they're not in a good position, they're second from bottom, but they really should be dead and buried. And, and I'm not sure how they're still in there it's with a fighting chance, but yeah, I mean, if I had to give one reason, it would it would be pre-Sambo. And, and if they can get a win, they are at home against Dijon next week, then then anything's possible and, and obviously that they'll suddenly be in the in the the better position. But again, although I said it against Monaco, although I said it against Nice, I I don't think are good enough to shouldn't be good enough to win that match. But each time I say it, I say it with less confidence because of what they seem to keep being able to do. Yeah, they are real 
pesky ones, aren't they, at the moment, really? Because you you think that the the result against, if they get a result against these, and if they get that three points, which would be enormous for them, they'll go above the mustard side, and then they face Gangomp, who'll be route to the bottom, and depending on their result, will will be could be even a fair distance away from from them from the normally side that they get three points there and then all of a sudden they they're right out of things and that's what we always said that it could come down to this double header for them and the fact is that that result was absolutely massive as well because if they're three points less or worse off if they like you said that penalties converted and they they lose one nil as, as Nice have a, a habit of doing to teams this season then they they're not just two points off Dijon they're five and then they have to win that game not just to to catch up to Dijon but to to give them half a chance because uh, if it if it was a game where where Dijon won and went eight points clear they're dead and buried there's no way that they can catch with with those four games remaining and 12 points and an eight point gap to 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 Dijon, even if they beat Gengon, they, they haven't got Raz, Leon, and Bordeaux to finish the season. I can't see them getting the points they'd need from that. It'd be almost impossible. So, uh, just as we've mentioned before, Con aren't pretty. They're not going to wow you with their style. They're not even going to put on an excellent performance, really. They're going to put on a pretty average performance most of the time, but they never, they always know when, just when to win. It's maybe the best explanation for Cole, not just this season, but possibly for even the last three seasons. They just know when, not not how to win, but when to win. They win at the times when you just think they're out of it, when you just think there's no chance of them doing something and they just nick a little bit of points, even when someone else is getting a positive result. They just take something and... Um, so just a shame that it will, the, the hope will be for Gangon because a disappointing result for them, really, a 3-1 defeat to, to Marseille after a couple of weeks of positive games, at least anyway. They were really unlucky against Monaco. They they maybe felt they should have got more out of the Strasbourg game as well, especially after scoring three goals, conceding three is, is really disappointing. So they, they, they it was two and throw at times against Marseille when it was 2-1. They had a chance to go 2-2 and they were unlucky. Uh, Max Turam hit the bar and it, it looked like it almost crossed the line, but goal line technology showed that it was l- almost millimetres really from, from actually counting as a goal. So it, 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 the scoreline is maybe a little bit harsher on them than the, the actual result of the, the game from watching it. But uh, it feels like it, it was a bit of a body blow for them because like you said, like we said, they're, they're now four points off Dijon, they're two points off Cole. So their task gets even harder now just because of how well the teams above them did. But at the same time, They've got Nice this weekend and they seem to sometimes give out a freebie. So at the same time, we could be speaking next weekend with Dijon and Cole having only gained a point against each other and, and Gengar winning three and the, the race being all on again. That, I mean, that, that that would obviously be the ideal that, that, that neither Dijon nor Cole get away and then and certainly next week's match Gengar against Cole, they, they have to get three, three points there, but um, and as you said, it, it is possible to get something from Nice, but I, just, I feel like this week might have been a turning point. They have been really unlucky the last couple of weeks. Didn't quite hold on last week. I mean, you could say it was partly their fault for sort of dropping further and further back against Monaco, but um, just to be pegged back like that must be such a sort of you know, punch in the guts. And then this week, it, obviously it's not all down to luck, but so, as far as I'm concerned, Dijon have got lucky with those last three fixtures. Certainly, the, the, the two, um, uh, the, the two either side of Amiens against against uh, uh, Lyon, Rennes, 
um, car again. It's not luck, but but just Samba being able to to sort of cover where where other players have have, have makes mainly fallen short. And then on the other side, Gagon, who are kind of conceding last minute goals, and then as, as you alluded to, they're two one up, and now the shot that comes down off the bar is literally about 98% probably if the ball was over the line um, that would have made it two all um, even if it had stayed that way it you know, really keeps them in touch um, uh, you know three points of goal difference isn't great but in theory one result away from Dijon instead Marseille go up the other end and, and seal the win and those kinds of things must be such body plays to gag on that it's you know, in the same way that I said that the character that Dijon shows I think is, is sort of in a way, it's more than the three points because it's, it really gives them something to build on and some morale to build on. Gangon must be thinking, what else do we need to do? And I feel like maybe this is the this is the week where that kind of, their their fate's kind of sealed. Yeah, it's, I, I'm trying to. I was trying to give the optimistic spin on it, wasn't I? More than anything, but it just feels like because of the importance of the Dijon Con game, someone is going to get three points out of that game, and if they do, and Gangon don't get three points against Nice, which although Con got it, it's not always the easiest thing to to guarantee with the the, the sort of flip flop nature of Nice this season. But oh, Gangon probably really disappointed they they couldn't at least nick something from that Marseille game because they they did have a little bit of chances they weren't completely out of the match but if they lose next weekend and someone gets the three points you, you can kind of write gang on obituary in league on really because I, I can't see them picking up the points even if they get that victory over con it's it's starting to get a little bit of a, a sort of desperation times for them but let's hope that we can still have an entertaining time because my god if, if, if there is a draw and they win it's going to be a, a right good end to the season at the bottom of the table it's been interesting already but that last month was going to be it could be absolutely crazy uh, on to a quick they look do, at, I mean, they, they, sorry Gangon do you have other winnable matches coming to the, the end of the season as well home to Nîmes never know which Nîmes is going to turn up the same Amiens last match of the season um, if Amiens are safe by then, they may sort of mentally be on, on holiday already. So it's not absolutely done for, but I just feel like this week maybe made it that just that one step too far. Yeah, and that, that's always the difficult thing about looking, at this stage of the season at least anyway, looking too far ahead. Because, I mean, that, that last game of the season, or even the last two games out of the season, might be even academic by that point, unfortunately, when you're, when you're having to chase points at least anyway. But we should hope and wait and see, and fingers crossed that it stays as exciting as it has been for the last couple of weeks, because it's been one of the best relegation fights I've seen in a long while, even though it's only three teams involved in it. Uh, very quickly on to, to European matters, really, because um, Leon help themselves back out again with a, a 2-1 victory against uh, against Angers on, on, on Friday night, where a player I particularly wanted to highlight, Jez, I'll give you some time on this one, because we've mentioned a lot of Leon's struggles in the last couple of weeks, and the, obviously they're going to Genesio leaving in the summer and backbiting here, there and everywhere, but within the cloud of that has been Martin Terrier, who scored four goals in four games. He's been a, a sort of stalwart in the last few games, at least anyway, for Genesio and starting, and He's really showed the quality and the reason why he's at Lyon and why he was at Lille previously, obviously alone at Strasbourg last season. But he, he, out of all the forwards they have, has been has been by far the best one over the last month or so. Yeah, a lot of the problems at Lyon seem to be down to attitudes and certain players who sort of pick and choose their matches or maybe take 
being dropped or substituted very badly and going to a sulk that could last a couple of matches or they're looking for moves away or not happy with their where they're being played all that kind of thing and Terrier obviously he's young he's got time on his side he's, he's there to, to learn as much as anything else but generally the whole season where possibly at other times in the season he could lay plain to, to, to deserving a little bit more game time even if he's, he's not in the squad or he's just named on the bench he's generally kept his head down kept quiet worked hard often made a difference when he's come on and uh, yeah in recent, in recent weeks he's kind of been rewarded for that and yeah I think it's five and five games and considering that's coincided with with Lyon going through one of their ruts it really has sort of kept them going saved a couple of points for them and and he's looked fantastic and the the, the goal that he scored this weekend that could really be a glimpse into the future. Aouar with a, a great pass to, to, to set Terry away, a composed finish. And it, it, it certainly should give Lyon fans confidence that whoever leaves this summer, there are still some, some really high quality players left. Um, Terry, I, th- I think also for, for France under 21s, in the end, they qualify quite comfortably for, for the summer's European Championships. But um, at the start of, of uh, repulse tenure as coach and, and um, the start of this qualifying campaign they, they had three or four sort of very sketchy wins which which from memory were, were more often than not down to important either equalizers or winners from Terrier so he really does seem to have the, the sort of big game temperament he seems to have a, a sort of calm mature head on his shoulders and I, unlike maybe some others who um, feel like they they deserve a place in the starting lineup just by virtue of their name and possibly get it because of that. Terrier has really had to earn his place and work his way into into that first team and, and he's done it fantastically and he's taken that chance and and yes, it's it's really been great to see. And over the last month there hasn't been too much for 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 Leon fans to be that 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 uh, that happy about, but certainly his 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 form is has been one of the, the few highlights. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, Leon fans might even be hoping that the likes of maybe Depay gets a, a move somewhere or, or something like that because it gives Terrier an even easier way into the first team and with Dembele's form and, and with an attacker on the other side, whoever it may be, they could be really a, a, a still a great side next season if they do lose three, four of the players, they, they've got a real chance of, of uh, succeeding regardless, which is, is great to see really when they've got players like him, who's, who does seem like the consummate professional at the moment in a in a time where um, everyone else seems to be getting a little bit heady. On to the, the, the team that's chasing them really in, in Saint-Étienne. I think we can mention Marseille very briefly, but we talked about in that gang on game, good goal from from Germain, but they're going to need a little bit of luck going their way to really challenge for that Champions League spot. But Saint-Étienne kept up pace with a, a 2-0 victory, two straight clean sheets, four wins in their last five with a draw against Amiens sandwiched in between there, but a, a good result against what can be a tricky side in, in Rance. And, and on evidence of that game, they had some trials and tribulations and, and Rance had a couple of strong chances you would say to to at least get a point out of that game at times but Saint-Étienne were clinical and and got the goals they needed they got the the strikes they needed and they're they're still only three points behind Lyon who have to go and face Lille um, this weekend which will be a great game in itself and even give them a chance to possibly even still catch Loesk if if, um, other results go their way but Saint-Étienne still plodding along and still 
being about there, but they've got to continue this momentum for the rest of the season, haven't they? Otherwise, um, they've got to ca- they've got to make sure now at this stage of the season, at the the business end of the season, they capitalise on any further mistakes from from Leon, surely, haven't they? Yeah, Leon, Leon's like you said, still got Lille, they've, they've still got Marseille as well, so they'd be doing very well to, to get six points from from those two matches, and, and Saint Etienne just to just need to to maintain their current form and make sure that that they're in touch and, and ready to sort of capitalise on any any slip ups and going to 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 Rass and winning two 0 I think is not to be sniffed at. It wasn't the most vintage of performances, but but to keep the two thousand in these Rasty from from not scoring at home, especially I think is a, is a really impressive performance and it shows where they where they are now in terms of in terms of form. That's, that's five matches unbeaten, four wins. Um, they're they're really in a good place, and I, I think that that Gasse in recent weeks he's kind of getting the best out of Cabello again. Casri's scoring again. Last week when when they needed a, um, a little bit of help, du, um, Debushi pops up with a couple of goals. So it really is. I think Kolodziejak scored recently as well. So it really is a, a sort of a team, not a team performance, but the whole team is is putting in a shift at the moment, and um, it's almost a sort of uh, the, the diametrical opposite of, of, of Lyon, where there, there just seems to be so much uh, sort of rumour about falling outs and, and arguments and, and tension in the changing room. Um, so certainly Saint-Étienne are, are on the upward curve. And you look at their running, they're, they're not easy matches. Um, they're, they're playing against decent teams in well, Monaco, can be decent, like Montpellier Nice, who are kind of European um, rivals with them as well, but they're they're the kind of matches that um, if they you know if they want to aspire to that third place, they 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 just need to to show that they're worth it by getting results out of those matches. Um, that those two matches in particular at home, so um, you know, you'd expect the the fans of the, the Jeffrey Bouchard to be right behind them, and uh, I can see them maintaining their form and having a really strong end of the season, and then the onus is entirely on Neon to. To somehow pick up the points and think they have to, I have to get at least four from those two big matches against Lille and Marseille. Otherwise, I think Saint Etienne could pick them. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt in that. They're going to be hopefully snapping at their heels. And credit to Jean-Louis Gasset, who's had a terrific season, is lifting a squad that, in all honesty, above their means, a lot of these players. But at the same time, this with him in charge with Saint-Étienne's uh, current squad, had a, had a, a good striker, had a, um, a, a good another centre-back or so with, with Perrin slowing down and, and, and Subotic not quite as he was at, at Dortmund, you'd say, and with or the injuries he's had, obviously. I know they've got a few young centre-backs that a lot of their fans are looking at just behind the scenes as an extra, but uh, a couple of those, and they could be really good even next season, never mind this, and it's been a great season, and they if they keep this ball rolling, it could be a really fantastic end to the season if they can capitalise on on any Leon mistakes. Let's go to our, our, our Liga snapshots, and I'll start with you yourself on this one, Jez. What's your Liga snapshot this week? Um, it's It's... It's a couple of things that we've already alluded to, but it just made me smile, which is um, Mbappe and, and Saeed's goals for, for PSG and, and Dijon. Um, it's, it's become such a big thing now, you know, really sort of making a huge fuss about how you're not celebrating against your, your former team. I like that um, Mbappe, who hadn't scored for, for PSG against Monaco since, since he joined, 
Um, he's, the first goal, he didn't celebrate at all. The second sort of allowed himself a smile. And then the third, the hat trick, he kind of went mad and completely didn't care anymore who he scored against. And then, and then Saeed as well, who, as you mentioned, out of respect for Ren, didn't celebrate, put his hands up to apologize, but had the most massive smile on his face. Um, I just I found it amusing. I think I, I think it's always nice when the players don't celebrate, but it's sort of become a bit of a a bit of a, a, a thing. It's almost like a poppy thing here. It's it's almost like you're, I don't know. You get criticised if you if you do celebrate against your old club when all you're doing is your job and you're scoring for your current team and your current paymasters and employers. There really shouldn't be any reason why you shouldn't celebrate. But yeah, that just makes me smile. Yeah, I think it's a weird line to cross, isn't it? The, the the fact that I think in celebrations terms, I don't mind if there's a little bit of a fist bump, and I don't think fans should be that annoyed if a player celebrates scoring against them. It's the it's exactly what I would do. And and, and thinking back to the Mbappe goals, a glick running through, uh, honey, he made it look like what I sometimes maybe look at on a five side against anyone under the age of twenty one. Really, just old and fat, unfortunately. <laughs> um, my league on Snapchat, I've got two. I think. The pretty obvious one from Paris, the the the, uh, the Notre Dame um, images on their shirt, and they're selling the the on the club sh- uh, shop with a with a, an extra motif on there to to help raise funds, which is is a, a great thing to raise for. But at the same time, uh, as many people have mentioned, um, hopefully the the amount that they, that they've raised, they can they can also support some some worthy causes in terms of um, unemployment and, and homelessness and, and famine across the world. Hopefully they can use that to, to some good cause as well as repairing the, the grand church, obviously as well. Uh, and to a, a more um, annoying one, at least anyway, in Liga, and it's back to the Nice uh, Dijon game, uh, sorry, the Nice Con um, game and, and a, a comment from Patrick Vieira afterwards. I think a lot of people have seen about Alex Maximan saying um, that um, he has all the talent in the world, but uh, he's not quite got the mental attitude, as you say, to take to the next level, the worth work ethic. And it's a bit of a damning indictment on Sam Maximan because he's had a decent season, but at the same time, you just feel like a player of his quality can just do that little bit more. And it was emphasized by the fact that there was that three on two where he had the ball and he was about 25 yards out. And instead of making that simple pass to Pelé, there's Malou who would have been easily in for a chance of a one-on-one. He, Tess tries to take a shot from distance and you could see the frustration from his teammate and yes some people may argue that yeah he, he's still a young player but these decisions are, are happening week in week out and I, I think it, you might silently hear Jez nodding at home when I say that <laughs> to me he feels a little bit like Theo Walcott um, it feels like that stage in his development he's a fantastic player he's got great pace he's probably a little bit more skillful from than the former Arsenal man but, but possibly not quite as a stronger finisher as he was in his younger days but the in decision the, the 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 poor decision making in the final third is just something he really really needs to work on and i'm sure Vieira will be drilling in that issue he's staying if he doesn't which the club seems open to because they know that office will come in should he move on he needs to find that because otherwise he's not going to reach the level that really his talent um, suggests that he can reach at least anyway uh, that's all that we have for this evening my thanks to jez and all of you listening at home uh, do join in for the preview show on thursday where we will preview the coupe de france final which we'll all look forward to at the weekend and this show will be back at the same time same place next week abianto and goodbye